Welcome to Great Thinking, the future of advertising, a podcast where leaders in the UK advertising and creative sectors discuss how they are leading the charge on some of the most important challenges currently facing brands around the world. I'm your host, Dina Mize-Lamperty. Today, we're tackling the subject of how advertising consumption is changing faster than the political affiliations of an Insta influencer. Let's get real. The UK advertising industry is currently valued at £26 billion. That's enough to make any marketer sit up and pay attention. But the question is, are they paying attention to the right things? The advertising landscape is shifting faster than a TikTok dance trend, and companies are struggling to keep up. From the rise of digital advertising to the emergence of social media and influencer marketing, it's clear that the industry is undergoing a major overhaul. But what does this mean for marketers? That's what we're here to find out. We're going to be talking to some of the sharpest minds in the industry and to get their take on the latest trends in emerging technologies and what they might mean for the future of the UK advertising industry. So we're going to be looking at everything from the impact of ad blockers to the role of big data and AI in shaping the future of advertising. And this is not a drill, people. This is the real deal. So strap in, hold tight, and get ready to explore the fast-moving world of advertising consumption in the UK. With me, Dina Mize-Lamptey, the founder of The Barbershop and co-chair of the Conscious Advertising Network. Joining me for this special episode today is Nikita Sidhu, Plan Director at Crowd, and Kate Wheaton, Head of Strategy and Relationship Design at Ogilvy. Welcome, ladies. How are you today? Hello. Very well, thank you. Hi. Great to be here. Brilliant. Okay, let's get stuck in. Um, I want to start with the question of um, how has advertising consumption evolved over the past few years? And obviously, we've had, uh, you know, what a, what a past few years we have had. But um, what role, if anything, has the pandemic played in advertising as, it, as we see it today? Um, how about Nikita? Did you want to kick off with that one? Sure. Um... God, it's changed so much over the past few years. It's kind of hard hard to know where to start with that. But, you know, I think the pandemic probably accelerated change um, in how we use media, but also the the kind of platforms that have come out of it. Um, I think, you know, probably kick off by the TikTok revolution. You know, that's a huge, um, a huge platform that's emerged over the last few years, you know, overtaking some of the other major players in the market. and I thought what was quite interesting is the timing that it did kind of boom was around the pandemic when people just wanted to have fun and it really brought joy to people. So, you know, there is a, it, there's almost a give and take with some of these platforms and it's quite nice that people were using it for actually quite nice benefits as well. Um, but I think, you know, the growth of that was quite exponential and looking at the older generation, I think people had quite, you know, limited views of the audiences on that platform. But what we're seeing now is, you know, that older demographic are now growing in the um, usage of the platform and people that are now downloading the app tend to be a little bit older than that kind of 16 to 24 demographic that we're used to seeing. So, you know, it's not just those younger demographic that are probably, you know, alienating some brands actually from joining the platform and actually advertising on the platform. But I think we really should be talking about know where your audiences are and not necessarily um the actual platform itself and kate is that similar to your experience of the last few years in the pandemic are you on tiktok now are you how many followers yeah. have you got how are your dance moves i i'm <laughs> <laughs> you really don't want to see my dance moves um i think yeah i think that obviously 
the very, very fast digitization of, of all sorts of brands and sort of moving to direct consumer relationships, obviously, sort of significantly grew, you know, the opportunities that, that brands had to then, you know, media brands or media owners and platforms had to then sort of, you know, effectively monetize all those people that were using those platforms. So, you know, obviously, we've always had these the big sort of ecosystems of Google, but obviously the growth of Amazon, for example, you know, massive marketplace. Also now a very, very big advertiser, full funnel kind of approach. Uh, on, and obviously, you know, with all the sort of data bells and whistles that really allow, you know, brands who are, are advertising on it to sort of think about the role that they can play. And um, I think, I mean, equally, there's sort of change in kind of streaming services obviously we're into our sort of second iteration of things like itvx and stuff like that where the growth of those you know through kind of the pandemic where there was literally very little else to go and do uh, it served them in good stead and i think some of the sort of traction around things like netflix in the cost of living crisis obviously means you know they have less sort of people to then sort of sell to other you know, sell to advertisers so yeah i think I think the other side of it is the sort of, you know, the D to C side is quite interesting as well, as brands have kind of started to build more direct relationships with, with customers and have become sort of owners, you know, of, of, for possibly for the first time, FMCG brands with that, with the sort of deprecation of cookies all coming together to kind of like actually suddenly first party data is the sort of phase we hear again and again and again as, as something, you know, that brands aspire to and, and need to do as well. So that's been a significant change that sort of maybe started a bit with the pandemic and sort of got that going and now, of course, has become a sort of mainstream requirement, really. So um, we touched upon kind of BVOD and you mentioned that, you know, ITVs, um, you know, a digital platform as well earlier on, ITVX launching. The UK market is quite unique. And, and I guess for our international listeners out there, we could probably spend a little more time kind of going into this particular situation because of the likes of the BBC, but also, you know, what we've probably seen in the last few years of the likes of Disney Plus launching and, and Netflix now um, also offering advertising as a platform and as an option, uh, plus some other kind of significant kind of particular peculiarities for the UK market. How do you think that, um, you know, people should think of the UK market, the broadcast market? If you can give us a little bit of, a bit of an explanation in terms of how, in, in your eyes, you see uh, broadcast, digital broadcasts, um, how it's evolved over the last few years in the UK market. Can you paint the picture for our audience? Nikita, do you want to go first? <laughs> do you want to kick off? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just trying to think how to even formulate that. I think I think it's got a lot more sophisticated, but it's quite fragmented as well. Um, you know, there's lots of platforms, lots of different streaming services that we can all kind of use and connect to. I think it can be quite overwhelming sometimes when you when you think about the landscape as a whole. Um, and I, I guess that kind of goes back into kind of um, measurement. And if everything is siloed and fragmented, it becomes quite hard to actually then see across everything what have we, you know, finally then achieved. Um, yeah, like you said, there's lots of new players in the market. You've got Amazon Prime, you've got Disney Plus, etc. But I think again, with with Netflix offering or being the first to start opening up Avod, you know, I can kind of see that happening across the board. Um, subscriptions are down. You know, people are are cutting costs across across this 
year at least mm. when we've seen the cost of living crisis affect households in different ways you know people have gone from maybe having three to four to thinking right should i maybe limit to having two so again that kind of reach is going to be a lot harder and i think actually understanding where your audiences are and where your consumers are is going to play a really large role you know it's not necessarily spray and play it's literally you know be targeted but have the insights to understand where they are and you know what resonates best or indexes best for your audiences and your demographic um so yeah you know as long it's quite diluted but i think if you're clever and you're sophisticated with how you go after these audiences and you know we've got lots of different tools that we can use to to understand um users on those platforms um i think yeah we, it, it can be really powerful um yeah i think i think that answers your question <laughs> yeah great and yeah, thank you. And um, I, th I guess as well, I I'm interested in your perspective as well, Nikita, because, you know, you work at Crowd, which was, um, you know, born a digital agency mm -hmm. and has since expanded into, I guess, uh, what would have been traditionally considered to be non-digital medias and platforms. Um, so from your perspective, in terms of, you know, buying video, buying content and trading in that space, and then as the traditional broadcasters like ITV and Channel 4 have, have, have crossed over a lot more. Mm. Do you think that, um, uh, you know, your lens and the digital kind of lens in the world has, has forced this kind of innovation in that space? And how do you, how do you, do you think you look at things differently? I'm going to come to UK after this as well, because you know, you're, you're coming from a more, um, from, probably from the other way around, really, mm. an agency that was yeah. originally kind of rooted in, you know, broadcast and, and that kind of traditional media. So how do your perspectives, um, how do you think the industry has evolved in that sense? Um, and, and also what's exciting you about this kind of digitization of the traditional industry? Mm, yeah, so, yeah, like you say, we're kind of very bottom up when we think, when, in our thinking for digital, you know, we go after kind of segments and audiences and behaviors, you know, signals. Um, so I think that that's probably built, prob probably, sorry, where we come from. Um, and I think it's it's always seen as kind of an incremental gain from what they're currently doing. So, you know, you're increasing your video presence to kind of more platforms. So it's all about kind of how we can grow incrementality. Um, so, you know, tapping into connected TV, I think the easiest step for us into, into kind of new platforms for video was connected TV via YouTube. You know, I think that was a really easy sell-in for clients because they could see actually, you know, the impressions were there people were watching it to completion and actually you know it, it was a really kind of then easy selling to say well okay why don't we expand into you know bvod um it i'd be interested to hear your point on this kate because having been at you know digital agencies but also kind of other um other agencies at full service agencies would you consider kind of this bvod as incremental to tv and we're coming from it as an add-on to digital but yeah that would be interesting to hear i think it's really interesting i mean i sit and watch a lot of video on demand and i would say most of what i'm seeing is kind of linear tv mm. ads on 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 b on on vod um i don't have a problem with that if it's what works then you know effectively I think some of the ads are very good um so I think it sort of possibly depends on a number of different things, which is if you're making, if you're making kind of uh, a commercial of quality, good enough quality to go on linear, then why wouldn't you extend and, and use 
you know, Evod as the incremental kind of to that and potentially to to reach some of your audiences more efficiently if they're not watching linear, then that makes perfect sense. I think uh, going from the bottom up is more challenging because you are going to have to sort of probably invest a little bit more to make it look good <laughs> uh, and, and not everything that sits in sort of, I don't know, video and social and things has to be or should be of that quality. I mean, it's a very different sort of world. So I think this has been... I think, I think you, you talked about a number of things. I think the sort of creative perspective is, look, if the world was really simple and I could make one, one really great commercial with a massive universal truth to, at the heart of it that appealed to a massive audience, who wouldn't do that? Of, of course you would. <laughs> Why would you do 16 things when you could do one? I think the challenge now is that that's not really the sort of level of maturity we are at. We're at a world where competitive difference is very small. It's more about distinctiveness. It's more about sort of heightened appeal to some to, to discrete audiences. And that quite often is where clients are having to play. Um, that's exciting because I think it gives us the option to opportunity to sort of think a bit more deeply about you know, what the nuances are and the differences are and to think about the craft we bring to bear to sort of take, you know, an idea that can, you know, we often talk about platform ideas. So coming up with an idea that can work across any number of channels is always the sort of the kind of the goal that we're trying to get to. Um, that's not easy because there are so many sort of nuances and obviously, you know, I don't know how other people feel about these. There are so many rules about how you make these these platforms work. You know, it's got to be this long. It's got to be that long. You've got to show the brand in the first you know, all of that sort of stuff. I sometimes feel like just shouting, how about we could just make something really good? And goodness knows people might actually watch it or interact with it. And they do sometimes. So I, I just genuinely think, you know, we need to sort of, we're, we're playing into exactly the same kind of, things that have always been important in in advertising you know it's got to be compelling it's got to be truthful or it's got to at least be meaningful to the group of people we're trying to talk to it's got to have cut through it's got to grab people's attention all of the sort of same old stuff but just executed slightly differently across lots of different channels or, or very differently depending on you know if you're in TikTok you are not going to do the same sort of thing as you would on on Instagram it's just it's a very different channel um, so I do think that's where understanding these channels has become like a currency it's a currency for for you know for planners for uh, strategists for creatives uh, for for all of the people like us that work in media and creative agencies. And if you don't get it, then part, you know, you, it's almost like you're just fighting with one arm behind your back the whole time because you need to understand that, you know, you don't need to understand the nuances of potentially how you get it up, you know, how you actually put it on the platforms. But it's really about what you're creating has to make sense. Otherwise, it's not fit for platform and it's not going to work. So you're wasting your money. So yeah. do your homework. And I think, you touched on really a really interesting point there about making the creatives work to different platforms and I think actually that's a huge barrier that we found with a lot of clients mm. you know the clients that are too scared to test test TikTok because you know ultimately they don't have the right creatives and I think you have to be kind of you don't want to be seen as disingenuous on the platform but you have to stay true to your brand so it's it's re mm. that's a really fine line to to kind of cross and 
yeah, I think that's kind of a really big challenge, especially when you're talking about social media, where you can get instant responses and criticism immediately. Um, yeah. So, yeah, no, that's a really interesting point. So let's talk about, I mean, you know, Channel 4, ITV, The Guardian, The Times, um, you know, even, even the cinema brands as well. Um, you know, what, are these redundant now or, or have they still got a place? No, no, not at all. I th- I, yeah, I also think, you know, the, some of the news brands have done an amazing job at sort of spanning you know, physical and digital. And, you know, there's sort of movement into the world of, I was looking at the FT recently, you know, podcasts, events, kind of webinars, all sorts of stuff that really does give advertisers a nice breadth of offering. I think the key thing that a lot of the news brands, radio brands, very similarly global, those guys, you know, they're really keen to partner. They really love working with a kind of a media uh, agency to come up with a partnership. And again, you know, debating on what route you go down, that can be a sort of using their talent or, you know, we can work with them, come up with ideas that they then they can then leverage and, and sort of build out it just has to feel like it's a part of the whole it's rarely going to be the whole thing it, it needs to the, the whole thing has to ladder up to what's the overarching campaign idea what are we trying to do here how does that partnership really fit um but yeah i think those guys have done you know they've done a really good job actually so all credit to them um yeah i think i mean tv is still a stalwart between linear and 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 bvod so I, I think it's probably, I think, you know, to be quite honest, I think streaming has been an absolute godsend to them, to be quite honest, because it is still there and is a way in which, you know, many, many people consume now. Um, and, you know, there are still, you know, there are still kind of appointment to view series that pop up, you know, Happy Valley was talked about a lot, something that people really kind of, you know, got around the TV and watched. And I think, you know, the, the sort of ITV versions of that are equally sort of magnetic. What would you advise for someone looking to come into the UK? Is the UK a particular environment in terms of making these choices across all the different kind of options you've got in terms of media, um, the complexities about kind of tone and context mm. and you know, this kind of particular, you know, British audience, um, are there, you know, what's your process and, and, and how would you recommend a brand approaches it? Well, I think you've, you've always got to do your analysis and your, your kind of, you know, uh, research to understand the audience you're looking for, you know, who are your target audience, always our start point and, and probably Nikita's as well. Um, you know, what is their current sort of buying journey that they go through we pay quite a lot of attention to that to begin to understand kind of you know particularly I mean obviously dependent on the sort of complexity and and uh, scale of the journey they're on sometimes it can be very simple for more complex ones depending on the type of kind of brand we're talking about you know there may be a lengthy time spent doing research or consideration or that kind of stuff you know what are the behaviors where are they looking that sort of stuff Um, is it all happening you know, in digital or is it actually physical as well? Um, how do you begin to sort of build out what the, the journey they go on, you know, could look like and how you can sort of work with it? Bearing in mind, all your competitors also probably got access to similar information. You've still got to think about how you're going to stand out, how you're going to tell some distinctive story that you can own uh, that really appeals more strongly to them. But as Nikita said, you can't get away from being where your audience are. There's no point in trying to drag them into a sort of space they don't want to be in. No one's able to do that. I'm also thinking back to, you know, the world where 
you know, we're, we're so not in the world anymore where you used to be able to dominate one channel and, and sort of very consistently, I'm thinking, you know, about some of those brands back in the 80s that sort of really built their, their whole kind of brand on radio and things like that. That doesn't feel possible anymore. You know, people's behaviour is, is very fragmented. And I think, you know, you've got to really understand combinations of channels, touch points, day parts, day of week, you know, how they're feeling at different sort of points. And, you know, I think working with all that information is the kind of critical start point. And then there are lots of tools, um, obviously, that, that media agencies have available to help you define, you know, where's your best way of reaching those particular audiences and then managing the sort of reach and frequency i mean most most good agencies will tell you don't don't spread don't just spread yourselves too thinly you're going to lose out you, you know your your sort of reach maybe further but actually you're not getting the frequency that you really need and they'll buy to that ratio depending what it is for your category or brand and and also unique to the uk is its diversity of kind of cultures and you know, this kind of mix between kind of europe and beyond um, you know, which are not just kind of like, you know, let's say tourists and visitors, but also people that work in the industry and contribute and and this kind of mix of cultures. So do you think that gives a, a particular um, challenge for, 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 for the way in which we communicate and brands communicate? I mean, can you let, let's let's give in a scenario of, you know, U, US advertising is humor the same? Can people just take their brand ad, drop it here and, and expect to see the same results or, or what? Um... The answer is I don't know, and it can vary enormously. I mean, lots of global ads are made, and I assume they work okay. Um, I I think there's enormous potential for good quality localization. So, you know, really trying to get under the skin of, you know, what works in in a particular kind of audience and and location are really important. Humour is quite challenging. I think it is quite. British people are quite self-deprecating. Um, they they tend to sort of, you know, we we probably value humour more in our advertising than potentially other markets do. And I think that's a heritage point as much as anything. Um, but I think, yeah, I, I think there are lots of different nuances that that you need to be sensitive about. And I think you know multiculturalism is a really important aspect of that. You know, representing diverse audiences in a way that feels sort of authentic and, and relevant is really important and I think you know for some brands coming to this country you can't underestimate the importance of that because it is you know it's not just important to multicultural audiences it's important to many of us and I think that is it that's something that that possibly you know brands do need to get to grips with um but all sorts of things. I mean, I, can, I think use of music, um, all sorts of stuff is, is very culturally nuanced and, and quite important. And Nikita, yeah. We work with lots of global brands at, at Crowd. And I think one of the most interesting things that we do for them is trans creation, localization, because it's so important. And the amount of nuances that we've like, kind of gathered just from doing that, it could be as small as where you put a decimal point or a comma or where you put the kind of currency sign. And these are little things that probably, you know, when you're thinking of one ad might not necessarily be a big consideration, but actually can be quite jarring in another country. Um, you know, just even tones of words that could be used is, it, it does vary quite a lot. And I think it's so important to kind of get that right. Um, we do quite a lot of surveys and research and consumer research. So we kind of 
go out to market using kind of a network of um, local local uh, crowdies, we call them. Um, and actually, we get such great insight in store. You know, what does the store experience look like for their consumer in those markets? And we get really valuable insights that we can then give to our global kind of clients that probably don't have that insight. Um, yeah, I think I think it's so important to make sure we're not just kind of translating, but transcreating. You know, there's a difference there. Um, also, imagery does play a large role in that. You know, people want to be reflected in the advertising they're seeing. Um, you know, I think that's always going to be quite key um, if you want to break into a new market. And, and tell me a little bit about um, how the impact of GDPR has affected the UK specifically. So, you know, before it was all a bit of a free fall, I guess, for data. And that was the game, you know, get as much as you can and target people as much as you can, as much as you need to, to make an action. And, and obviously things have changed quite a lot. Um, how, how has it changed in terms of, you know, your, your approach, your, your recommendations to clients, what's the importance of first party data and what are the strategies that you're using to, to, to get, you know, give, give brands an advantage in that, in that space? Yeah, I mean, it's really important. And I think, you know, GDPR has made things a lot better as far as I'm concerned. I think, you know, we, we, we need consumers to trust that, that brands and that they are doing the right things with their data. They're not going to do anything with it that hasn't been pre-agreed and they haven't signed up to. So I think, you know, any kind of you know, erosion of that trust is bad for all of us. And, and what role do you see emerging technologies like AI and virtual reality playing with regards to the future of advertising? You know, machine learning is a very well established part of most marketing technology stacks, um, which have been using it for a good couple of years now to drive decisioning around next best action, that kind of thing. Um, I think the sort of, uh, you know, I think the move into augmented and, and virtual reality is going to be really interesting. I think augmented is probably a good sort of landing point. We talk a lot about sort of camera strategies, working with the way people already use their devices and sort of beginning to build those out into just how you create slightly more engaging experiences, you know, stuff on packaging, things like that. It's quite fun to be able to do. And I think that's always the key, right? If it's something that, that sort of does add value and it, it's sort of an enjoyable experience or it builds their knowledge or, and helps facilitate the sale, whatever, then it makes good sense. Um, I think, you know, I think the jury's thoroughly out on, on kind of the metaverse and what that really means. Um, I think despite all the noise um, around it, the sort of wanting to kind of wear a bloody great headset and kind of uh, spend an awful lot of money buying one or whatever feels very alien. And I think until some of those aspects, I, I frankly feel at the moment it's a technology waiting for a commercial user case that isn't just gaming. Um, and I think we need to work out what that is and um, then then we'll see. I think, you know, like most people, we've done some sort of, we've done some bits and pieces and you know, hosting meetings, sort of semi-conference kind of virtual things, which have been you know, quite fun, sort of. But actually, at the moment, it feels quite limited in what you can really do with it and just a little bit awkward. So I think until it becomes, you know, maybe it's a cohort driven thing. I don't know uh, if you've grown up on robots, maybe it feels much more natural. But um, I, I, I kind of feel at the moment it's a yeah, we, we, 
we're in a wait and see situation, certainly on virtual. On augmented, I think there's lots of interesting use cases that are, are very current and will get used. Nikita? Yeah, so I'm with you. I think at the moment it's a little bit gimmicky. Um, uh, it's it's done for the sake of doing maybe, um, or because big brands have big budgets, they can play in those spaces. Um, yeah, I'm not I'm not entirely sure how it will work. You know, there's lots of there's lots of kind of virtual shops as an example, and you know, people are thinking of different ways that they can live in this this more kind of metaverse. Um, I would agree. I think augmented reality is again probably growing. Um, digital couponing and things like that add a bit of novelty to kind of your and gamify maybe some of your campaigns, and I think that can just add an extra edge to what you're doing. Um, you know, some, I've seen some like Easter egg hunts or kind of hunting for specific gold stars or whatever to unlock a reward. And I think that's, yeah. that's when it can be quite playful and, and quite exciting. But again, if it fits in with your campaign idea, then absolutely. Um, I think machine learning is, is probably more advanced. Um, if the thing with machine learning is it like the likes of Google, if you if you don't adapt, you do get left behind quite quickly. Um, so I think that's something that actually, especially being a performance, you know, having quite a lot of performance clients, you have to just change and adapt very, very quickly because your performance is just not, or I guess the platforms are just not going to kind of um, favor favor you in auctions and you're, you're going to lose out. So I think that's one of the areas that probably we need to push more and, and get clients comfortable with letting the machine learn and do. Um, but yeah, I think there's probably a lot more creatively around the metaverse and augmented reality. Yeah. I think the other area that gets talked about a lot is the use of AI and creative, obviously, you know, this big threat of you know, chat, GPT and things like that. And I think, um, you know, we, we've used sort of auxiliary tools to help, you know, generate quite a lot of interesting, you know, small incremental advantages so there are various sort of um ai tools you can use for creating email subject lines and things like that and of course all it what it does is effectively it's not ai it's machine learning it just basically tests a zillion kind of lines simultaneously and comes up with one that was going to work best and learns from that process so i think at the moment you know do i think that machines are going to be writing all the copy in you know five years time I think they'll be writing some of it and it will be some of the more sort of collateral stuff that might be go on you know where there is less need for I guess originality and, and the creativity and the sort of human insight that kind of springboards you know to, to really interesting work um, that I don't think is very easy to replicate for for a machine we'll see I could be wrong <laughs> I'd be out of a job so final question for me, thank you, is uh, what advice do you have for marketers who are looking to stay ahead of the curve and uh, in, in this kind of rapidly changing landscape that we're in? What advice would you give? Nikita? Um, I would say uh, test, test as much as possible. Um, if we're evolving as quickly as, I mean, media is evolving so quickly, if you're not reflecting that in some of your media plans or some of your activations again it's not reflective of real life so i think we have to be kind of 
wary of that. Um, but testing is such a big part of what we do. Um, you know, I know there's always the fear of swaying or straying, sorry, from the kind of tried and tested. We know it works, so it's kind of a safe zone, but always allow some part of your plan to be kind of quite risky um, and just out there. You know, there's so many things that we could be doing and actually working with creative agencies, there are some fantastic ideas that we can bring to life with um, media and creative working really closely together. Um, but yeah, that's test, but test with a measurement outcome. So think of like, what is the impact? You know, don't just go in with um, no idea of what this is going to return. Some, you know, how, how does this actually help the business? Um, I think, yeah, that, that would be my advice. Yeah, I think, you know, agencies, whether creative or media, have all sorts of sort of techniques and tools in place from sort of straightforward planning, insight, research, analysis, you know, to de-risk the decisions that clients make. I mean, that's the most boring way I've ever described what we do. But to a certain extent, it that is what it's there for. It's to, it's to stop, stop, you know, to, to make, help clients make better decisions. So I think you've always got to work in that kind of framework, but you're absolutely right, Nikita. Beyond that, have a growth mindset. Think about how you can maximize what you're doing rather than, you know, know, optimization is great, but is it actually meaning you're not kind of taking all the advantages you could take Um, and then be prepared to experiment and be open-minded? I think that's really good advice. And, you know, experiments often work. In my, in my experience, uh, you know, actually, it's genuinely surprising sometimes. It's kind of like if you've done all the thinking up front, you've de-risked, you've thought about what you're trying to do, be prepared to sort of add some experimental kind of strains alongside the good, the good stuff you're already doing. Fantastic. So a couple of facts just to um, end the podcast with. Uh, so the UK exports more advertising services than it imports to the tune of five billion pounds. And the UK is second in the world, second only to the US for advertising services that exports. But more impressively than that, since 2005, the UK has won more can lions than any other European country, nearly 1,700. Maybe we'll fight a bit harder to protect what we've got, <laughs> the human element. It's worth it. It's definitely worth it. it. Absolutely. Well, thank you. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. And thank you so much for all your, your gems and insights. And I'm really looking forward to um, you know, just the year ahead and the next week and even tomorrow because the, the, the landscape is changing so much. We're in a really exciting industry. So thank you, Kate. Thank you, Nikita. And speak to you soon.